Amy as he made the putt on the final hole. Everything Just said to this music story. is great. Like that right there <laughs> to that music is. It was a beautiful moment for been practicing Phil Nicholson and his wife Amy battling breast cancer. And such a touching moment, like you said, Chris. Very poignant. <laughs> and you have to feel for that family and for Phil Mickelson to win the green jacket like that. Unbelievable. Tiger Woods finished fourth. Uh, four st strokes off the lead. Four or five. But uh, a good return for Tiger Woods. But Phil Mickelson stole the show. And NHL playoffs starting this week. NBA playoffs <laughs> will be coming up. And uh, <laughs> that's pretty much all we have to say for today. Thanks for tuning in here on Extra Points on 88.3 WCBN. We will be at the Michigan baseball game tomorrow on Wednesday and softball Saturday and Sunday. Game of the week on Friday, 7 to 10, sports talk. That'll do it for us. For Adam, Bill, Chris, and Andrew, I'm Rushi saying good night and go blue. Six seconds left, and then Chad Kowarik will be released. Six seconds of power play time remaining. Henson was thrown out of the uh, face-off circle because Desch went over to shout instructions to Kalorn. Thank you for listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. If you'd like to contact the sports department, please email us at sports at WCBN.org or call the station at 734-763-3500. Pass comes forward. Here's Hensick. Now to Kaloric. He's behind the defense. He's in. Shot and score. Chad Kaloric out of the penalty box gives the Wolverines a 4-0 lead. Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And we go from <laughs> Masters Music to Gary Glitter. <laughs> <laughs> Hockey starts for the Red Wings. And uh, I probably think that they benefit by starting out with Phoenix, limited playoff That's experience. Probably the most favorable matching they could have. Yeah gotten and it was weird how they couldn't play chicago no matter what happened 
because of the weird combination of tiebreakers and uh, other assorted variables that went into the last game. But obviously, we wish the Wings well, and hopefully they'll be able to wrap this up in at least six games. They don't want to take that third flight out to uh, the desert in Arizona. Although interesting, uh, uh, the Wings, of course, start Wednesday. The uh, Chicago Blackhawks series doesn't begin until Friday. Uh, and that's against Nashville. That's going to be a brutal uh, series. That seems a late start. Uh, whoever comes out of that series will be at a disadvantage, I think, uh, when the next round starts. Yeah, although shorter <coughs> travel distances involved there, and obviously they're setting that up for one of the Sunday games. Right. That's That'll the be way a good it series. works. TV, advertising, and the Blackhawks are in, and the Bulls might not be, so that's probably part of that equation. And, of course, the Rangers fell short, so hockey's not that big in L.A. I think Chicago and Detroit are the two big American hockey markets that are in the playoffs. And if they get to the Eastern, if they get to the finals, they, they do have home field advantage against most of the Eastern teams, yeah. including Pittsburgh. Anyway, we'll see what happens uh, with all of that. Uh, obviously, a kind of a strange week. Yeah, lots of stories, lots of news. Um, Complete chaos in Kyrgyzstan and increasing disorder in Thailand. We have that. We have uh, the nuclear summit uh, this week here in Washington, which is probably a positive thing. We have the teabag and the hosebaggers meeting down in New Orleans, which they can't decide whether they want to be the party of yes or no. Or hell How about no. you know yes, no? Hell no. But we'll, I guess, maybe start out with a brain damage award for uh, Governor Bob McDonald, newly elected governor of Virginia, declaring April in the state of Virginia Confederate History Month. Uh, he wanted. To oh, really? Oh, yes. <laughs> I saw one. Get out your old textbooks, yeah. boys and girls, and forget about s slavery. I. Apparently, he issued a proclamation while omitting slavery, and one uh, wise columnist called it uh, the Confederacy of Dunces. So he gets a brain damage award. Um, he, by the way, was a sort of a stealth candidate that got under the, in, under the radar uh, in the uh, election uh, last fall. He really was linked uh, quite closely politically to uh, Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, Liberty University. Mm. He's very extreme, but he was very skillful in downplaying those issues and upplaying uh, the, the sort of general hysteria and uh, anxiety maybe about the economy. Uh, the Republican Party, of course, is banking on uh, his history, um, in the sense that traditionally the party in power tends to lose seats, but uh, they better not bank on it too uh, too much because it's interesting that a recent poll showed that it, it, going into the 94 midterm elections back when Clinton was president, the disapproval rating uh, uh, nationwide for the Republican Party was 39%. This year it's 57%. So the Republican Party is not... The party that people are turning to. And, of course, the no, media it, um, is sort of sucking all of the momentum out of the political debate, focusing on the teabaggers. Right. And uh, the sort of 10 to 15 percent 
that are always in the middle that both parties always want to bend to cater to in elections are exactly uh, not the people who are interested in the teabag party movement, uh, if it's going to be dignified with the term movement. No, and um, if the... Their rhetoric, yeah. they're sort of... Here's an example, a recent photo of a placard held up at a teabag uh, rally in Searchlight, Nevada, and it's Obama socialism, it's not a joke, and his face is painted over to look like the Joker from the Batman, and there's layers of, of uh, weird meaning in this image that I'm sure the guy holding the poster doesn't even begin to appreciate. Um, and uh, that's the sort of posturing and rhetoric that uh, the moderate centrist voter is going to be disenfranchised by. So <clears throat> the teabaggers are going to be uh, a burden to the Republican Party and not an asset. Probably not, and it's bizarre that they would take credit for the uh, retirement of Bart Stupak here in Michigan. That was sort of a big Michigan story because he mm -hmm. sort of elevated his profile from obscurity. Nobody really knew about Bart Stupak right. until Upper Peninsula this year, and it's interesting that his uh, congressional district, by the way, is the size of West Virginia, giving you an idea of how big... Uh, the UP and part of the Lower Peninsula really are. Uh, that, of course, is um, a seat that the Democrats will probably lose, but not necessarily. And um, when Newt Gingrich can be addressing down in New Orleans the, uh, what was this organization where Palin and Bachman Turner Overdrive showed up? Oh, the Southern Republican Leadership Conference. Newt Gingrich declaring that Barack Obama, the most radical president in American history, Really? <laughs> um, I, Showing I, that Newt Gingrich never really was that great of a history student. <laughs> no, the t subject he allegedly taught. and uh, He's written historical fiction, too, I might add. Yeah, well, the poster Rather boy heavy for hand. the big boy logo. <laughs> always, he always looked just like that guy. The he just needs the slacks. The hamburger boy. He needs the... Uh, Whatever the kind of overalls, right? Yeah, <laughs> one strap. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's Newt's future. He thinks he's running for president, so we'll give him a brain damage award. And of course, another huge story: the uh, resignate. Well, the announced departure of Justice John Paul Stevens, the only Protestant on the Supreme Court. Interesting. And it's fascinating. I went back and checked some old clippings on uh, exactly where Stevens ranks. He's being called a liberal, um, but in an interesting study prepared by the University of Chicago Law School, uh, and they evaluated uh, basically votes and opinions uh, since 1937, which was the year that uh, FDR attempted to pack the court, mm -hmm. so to speak. It's fascinating. Um, this In this study, which is entitled The Vanishing Liberal Justice, because they rank the justices on a sort of uh, scale, 43 justices, with Thurgood Marshall, by the way, being the most liberal, and William Douglas being the second most liberal. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, in fact, slightly more liberal than John, uh, John Paul Stevens, because he has dissented in a few kind of odd cases, mm. like the flag-burning uh, case. He served in the Marines, 
And I think that uh, historical scholars have appreciated that what Justice Stevens brought to the bench, besides this sort of consensus building that he's being uh, praised for, was a sort of an independent mind. And because he served in the Marines, he did not regard flag burning as free speech. Um, I would disagree with him there. In other words, he voted with the conservatives on that. Uh, He also began to evolve on the death penalty. Mm -hmm. For instance, when he started out, uh, he uh, voted to uphold the death penalty. But over time, he uh, came to see the death penalty's problems. And in fact, um, I believe... Uh, the New York Times, in their homage, uh, pointed out that in 2002, he wrote the majority opinion in Adkins versus Virginia, which said executing mentally retarded people violates the Eighth Amendment. So he began to dissent on death penalty issues. And, of course, in one of his most famous opinions, he dissented in Bush v. Gore with the famous lines, although we may never know with complete certainty who won the 2000 presidential election, the clear loser was the nation's confidence in the judge as an impartial guardian of the rule of law. Indeed, and uh, that's what Stevens is being praised for, evaluating the rule of law. What's interesting about this University of Chicago study is that the five most conservative justices in since 1937, which is a considerable amount of time, are Clarence Thomas, William Rehnquist, Antonin Scalia, John Roberts, and Samuel Alito. That shows you how far the court has moved to the right. It's not Stevens so much moving to the left. It's that the court moved to the right, and it moved to the right predominantly over the last 15 to 20 years. Yeah, during the Reagan-Bush uh, era, and I'm including both Bushes here. He, of course, uh, nominated Clarence Thomas, who finishes first. God, how old is Scalia? That's <laughs> that's the question. That's the question. How much longer will that man blight the court? And then, of course, there's a Le- uh, Scalito, uh, his, yeah. his junior. Right. Um, Anthony Kennedy, by the way, who is the swing vote, ranks 10th uh, of all time. Uh, some other famous names on the list, Warren Berger, 6th, Sandra Day O'Connor, 7th, appointed by Ronald Reagan, Lewis Powell, appointed by Nixon, 8th, and Charles Evan Whitaker, who I can't remember who appointed him. Um, he might even go back to the 20s as an appointee. You know, the Nixon appointees are astonishingly liberal. In, some of them. In, some of them. Yeah. And, and it's remarkable that... Was that a reflection of less partisan politics at the time, or maybe this is an evolving uh, perspective that these jurists had and became more liberal? Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting that Nixon, of all presidents, should have uh, left that mark. And it's interesting that Frank Murphy, who uh, was a famous Michigan politician, uh, appointed to the court by uh, Franklin Roosevelt, believe he was governor of Michigan uh, at one point, and... Uh, I believe served as a, uh, well, never mind. I I can't exactly remember what he served as, but he ranks 41st in liberalism, the third most liberal justice ever nominated. John Paul Stevens, interestingly, ranks precisely with Souter, Breyer, and himself, very close to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm. So you can see that this, 
recent uh, quartet, shall we say, uh, were very similar in judicial philosophy, sort of slightly left of center uh, by historical standards, but only left of center because of the profound shift to the right in recent years uh, with uh, Thomas Scalia, Roberts, and Alito, four of the top five most conservative, and William Rehnquist being the other. Right, and Nixon, he, yeah. And he was originally a Nixon appointee, elevated to chief justice by uh, Ronald Reagan. Uh, David Souter, of course, didn't turn out quite to be the conservative that Bush was hoping for, and thus he gave us Clarence Thomas. So uh, we'll see what happens with the uh, upcoming nomination. I think Obama should appoint a liberal, go out of his way to appoint a liberal, and go for the fight. Allow there to be a... For political reasons, he may elect not to do this, but I think he should. And I think he should basically go young, too. Mm -hmm. As young as he can and as liberal as he can. Um, maybe that will um, restore some balance. But, of course, the swing vote will continue to be Anthony Kennedy. And it's interesting that Stevens premised his resignation on the um, confirmation of his successor. Prior to the next uh, So even if term, there yeah. is a threatened filibuster or that sort of mischief from the party of no, uh, Stevens will remain on the court. And you can also count on, by the way, interestingly, on the language of um, the upcoming hearings. What's interesting about Judge Stevens was he was the first judge appointed after the Roe v. Wade decision. Hmm. And one historical scholar, I believe it was Linda Greenhouse, I didn't bring in all of my Stevens clippings uh, over this uh, recent uh, development, abortion wasn't even mentioned in his hearings. This was in 75, hmm. two years after Roe v. Wade. But by 1980, this had changed. And there was essentially a litmus test from the conservatives, because it's interesting in the uh, Sonia Sotomayor hearings, the Republican Party mentioned the, mentioned the issue of abortion 74% of the time in their questions. The Second Amendment came up 64% of the time, and a discrimination that they were trying to use the firefighter case against mm -hmm. her on came up 65% uh, of the time. Actually, I'm mistaken. Abortion came up 85% of the time. Um, it's interesting that the Democrats emphasized cases involving terrorism, uh, which, by the way, Stevens made an important ruling against the Bush administration regarding due process, the death penalty, and quote-unquote judicial activism. And needless to say, Stevens also dissented in the recent uh, outrageous uh, Supreme Court uh, ruling regarding corporations and uh, our political elections with a, a dissent that he actually read from the bench, which is a rather unprecedented hmm. event in Supreme Court history. And he noted that while American democracy is imperfect, few outside the majority of the court would have thought its flaws could include a dearth of corporate money in politics. He found that to be a case of judicial <clears throat> activism in, in which they actually overturned um, essentially 
rulings by the Supreme Court that went back uh, to 1907 that sort of, when the court was quite conservative, uh, that essentially acquainted a corporate donations to political elections as forms of bribery. And so much uh, with uh, that case for uh, Justice Roberts' purported uh, adherence to uh, precedent. Yes, he's the umpire that calls them as he sees them. The problem is he seems to have a rather fat wallet in his back pocket. (laughs) Makes it hard to crouch down there without uh, leaning in a certain direction. Unless, of course, you get an assist from Long Dong Silver. I don't think we'll have to worry about any of those kinds of uh, surprises in the upcoming Supreme Court nomination battle. Let's see if you're right. Uh, That's probably a good idea. Go young, go liberal. Go long. (laughs) Go long. Maybe this time, go short. (laughs) And and don't be surprised if he picks uh, another woman because... uh, they're underrepresented on the Supreme Court. Indeed. Indeed, maybe a Protestant woman. <laughs> there are a lot of Catholics on the uh, court. Well, that's been the, the objective of putting these uh, these conservatives on the court. Uh, they adhere to the... The ideological uh, abortion the, issue is... Uh, the edicts from the Pope. Foregone conclusion. And speaking of the Pope... Oh, no. The bishop. We, Which, sadly, we must... Uh, I couldn't resist this item because of our uh, conversation last week about uh, the Pope's non-response to the uh, abuse crisis. Uh, The Pope has uh, agreed and is prepared to meet victims of sexual abuse by priests in Europe. And uh, I must confess that I'm tempted to uh, interject here. He'll meet them alone and one at a time. (laughs) But no, that will probably not be the case. Fortunately for the Vatican, uh, a spokesman, Father Federico Lombardi, said that many victims are looking for spiritual support rather than financial compensation. Spiritual support, we got plenty of. The Pope probably is partially afraid not only of the publicity disaster, which has already done as much damage as it probably could, but the costs of... uh, such legal matters and financial compensation. So spiritual support is probably something he's very willing to uh, part with. Yeah, and in a late-breaking story, I do. Un- it is my understanding that today the Vatican did announce that uh, here to- uh, henceforth they will uh, contact local law enforcement authorities in cases involving pedophilia. As indeed the case should be. Yeah. That's, so uh, that's uh, long overdue, and then we can no longer make fun of the bishop. <laughs> I knew it was too late. <laughs> Although the, uh, the official uh, Vatican newspaper did recently sort of uh, clear the record and say, well, you know what? The Beatles had personal problems with their drug use and their bigger than Jesus thing, but the songs stand up quite well. <laughs> so the Beatles uh, have uh, gotten a belated uh, thumbs up from the Vatican as well. Um, well, at least they didn't have to wait until the 26th century. Right. <laughs> we think in terms of centuries. Right. Oh, you know what? Hey, let's not blame the Jews for crucifying Jesus. JP2 made that an official thing, and that was good. Uh, it was only several hundred years too late. Um, oh, it must have been love me do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, uh, not such a funny subject, but again, a bizarre one. Uh, Pakistan is playing war games uh, near the Indian border. This at a time when there's increasing pressure from the Obama administration to uh, emphasize the Waziristan uh, region on their sort of uh, troubled frontier area there that borders Afghanistan. Um, but fairly elaborate military exercises involving 50,000 soldiers uh, involving the deployment of tanks and movement of artillery near the Indian border. Uh, and according to uh, Farhan Bukharai, who's writing from Islamabad in the Financial Times, that this is seen as a sort of a reminder to uh, the West that while they recognize, here's a quote, uh, the Taliban as a very major threat, they don't see them as the only threat. In other words, Pakistan's... Uh, Defensive posturing is really geared almost entirely towards a conflict with India. They've had uh, three major wars with India in the mm -hmm. last 60 years. Uh, there are nuclear tensions there. Uh, what makes this more bizarre is that uh, simultaneously, uh, as if to reassure these uh, leaders and forces from the West, that there are efforts being uh, put in place in the West of Pakistan against the Taliban, there was also... Uh, a demonstration for invited guests, including Western defense officials, in a desert area of Punjab province to show uh, Pakistan's capacity to contribute uh, to the fight against the militants. The demo involved fake commando attacks backed by the Air Force against mock terrorist sanctuaries with a mixture of U.S., French, and Chinese jets being used. They are very expensive demonstrations. Um, why not actually just see the uh, troops, the uh, commandos on the ground actually fighting real terrorist sanction, uh, sanctuaries instead of setting up fake ones? It's rather bizarre. Well, and the region, of course, is aflame with problems. Uh, the uh, recently elected president, I believe his name is Mikhaev of Kyrgyzstan, is in hiding and right. has been sort of declared no longer in power, and it's quite unclear how this is going to sort itself out. It's interesting that the Russian government was the first to recognize officially this coup d'etat, so to speak, this overthrow with the uh, demonstrations in the, in the capital there. And it's quite interesting that uh, one of the main issues... Uh, involving the uh, problems that the Kyrgyzstani government has is the American air base. Mm -hmm. And the new uh, uh, government, so to speak, has announced that it's a high priority for the uh, Kyrgyzstani government to shut down the uh, air base. And it was only, oh, gee, about eight or nine months ago when there was an enormous issue involving this uh, uh, air base. The United States, for the record, pays $17.4 million annually to rent the base and also provides $150 million in aid each year to Kyrgyzstan to keep this uh, base open. That's basically, it's a base called Manas and is a staging point for the um, Afghan Waziristan War. Yeah, the placement of Kyrgyzstan, uh, Kyr Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyzstan, <laughs> Kyrgyzstan, yeah. 
uh, is in the midst of a bunch of stands here, and it stands on the what would have been the eastern fringe of the former Soviet Union, abutting China, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and is really probably just a stone's throw with uh, jet flight uh, from Afghanistan right on the other side of Tajikistan. So that is a very troubled region. Yeah, and it's a very oddly shaped country. It looks sort of like a, a squiggle, you know, with an, an incredible circumference of uh, border uh, involved with their country. And then it's my understanding on the geography that there are rather large mountains that sort of mm -hmm. uh, bisect the country, which has uh, created some of the unification issues uh, that they've experienced throughout uh, their brief history. This, of course, a former Soviet um, uh, Republic of the USSR, mm. part of the uh, independent states that occurred after the breakup of the Soviet Union. So that is something to keep an eye on. And obviously the Pakistani situation is indeed very serious because <clears throat> we're um, having a nuclear arms summit this uh, week here in Washington with uh, Iran and uh, North Korea, quote, off the agenda. Yeah. And we'll give uh, Bibi Boo Boo Netanyahu a brain damage award since he is elected to not attend and thus keeps mm. Israel off the uh, agenda, so to speak. Um, they accused the Obama administration, ironically, even though Obama is chairing the meeting and presumably controlling the agenda himself, of uh, potentially allowing Israel to become the focus of this uh, proliferation issue. It's interesting that the Chinese government uh, is attending, and one arms expert pointed out that the Chinese government is mainly attending because, as our CBN um, ID... Uh, uh, oh, what, what are they called? Uh, you know. the, the carts? The carts. One of our carts says, Every experience is a learning experience, Danny. Even LSD. <laughs> <laughs> so the Chinese are, are here to learn about arms control negotiations because it was, it's been announced that the uh, Obama administration has come up with a tentative deal uh, with the Russian government regarding the reduction substantially of nuclear arms. I found it fascinating to listen to Palin and Bachman, uh, who were out on the Tea Party Express all week, denouncing this, denouncing the policy in which they sort of, through their own stupidity, suggested that the United States should use nuclear weapons in the event of a cyber attack. <laughs> Because the, the the new announced policy is that the United States will not use nuclear weapons against countries that participate in the in the treaties. Right, the non-proliferation treaties. Yeah. yeah. This is part of a long bipartisan concept of uh, trying to reduce nuclear weapons. And it's uh, staggering that, it, uh, well, not surprising that these two ignoramuses, uh, airheads, moose turds, <laughs> would be this ignorant and almost publicly... If I can't get on my Facebook, somebody's going to have to get A-bombed. <laughs> That's right. That's incredible. Um, 
Well, there are other impressive things about these recent uh, uh, developments uh, with regard to uh, the nuclear weapons here. Um, First of all, remarkably, uh, this document is the first such U.S. doctrine to be wholly unclassified. Mm -hmm. That's remarkable. Yeah. And uh, this is really the first time the issue of nuclear weapons has been taken seriously in 